So, Lord, we just come before you and we ask that you would just bless this session as we're just seeking you and wanting to hear from you. I pray that you would just speak through me, Lord, and that our eyes and our ears would just be so receptive to what you have to say. It's your name I pray. Amen. So, welcome. I'm Marissa Kovach, and my session workshop is on community. And if most of you have known me, I love community. Before, I didn't. I grew up kind of in a Asian culture, and children were seen but not heard, and also in a very abusive um, household. So I was very much introverted growing up. I was shy, timid. Um, as I grew up in around eighth grade, I want to say, I started to like want to know more about the Lord. And by the time I graduated high school, I was like, I need to find some friends. Um, and I grew up here, and I went to school here, and um, I didn't have... It was crazy because I didn't have those friendships. I, I went to school with a bunch of guys mostly, so I was like, I'm not going to be friends with these losers. And a lot, of, a lot of them were like the bad kids, so I didn't have really good friendships like out of high school. And that's when I just got involved, went to the college group here, and just immersed myself. And I got involved in the youth ministry. And so here I am now today telling you that community is amazing. So when we are, when I, um, I just want to open up and just talk about how God created community. And when you look at the creation of the world, he had a purpose, a design and order. And when he came, um, it says that he saw that man was alone and he was like, this is not good. I, he needs someone. And it wasn't so much that, cause he had the relationship with Adam. It's that he walked with him in the cool of the night of the day. And he just had this communion with him but he knew that he needed more people in his life than just him and Adam so when you look at the creation that fellowship that God intended you see that because of sin entering the world it became a broken fallen world and ever since you I mean even myself and I'm sure you know that you've always been longing for something or someone you look through relationships to fulfill and as Christians, we see that our, our longing is only filled with Jesus. In Psalm 63, it's on this first worksheet, it says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And that's what, as you become a Christian, you're longing and wanting for the Lord's going to grow. And so when the fall in the garden had happened, about 4,000 years would transpire before God could have that fellowship with man. And that happened when Jesus came on the earth. And when you see Jesus enter into the world, what do you see in his ministry? There was no disease, sickness, virus that could hold him back from that community. He was always with people. There was a lot of politics going around. There was cultural and social wars going on. But he like held no, he didn't hold back from community with people. And we see that when he ascended, after he died on the cross, what happened? The early church was born. And what it says in Acts 2, when Jesus left, the apostles, what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. So they basically modeled everything Jesus was doing. And when you see that, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon the earth. And it just grew. And I, when I, I was studying about the early church, and I've been going through the book of Acts, and you see that their numbers grew, and it was basically the mega church. And if you like hear that term, sometimes it kind of gets a bad rap, but that's exactly what Jesus created. He wanted this massive mega church. And spiritual gifts were given, and they were used consistently. And the knowledge and the things of God was just awakened in the hearts of the people. And even to, to this day, like, don't you feel alive when you're just in the midst of that? Like right now, I just feel so alive that Jesus is with us. He is reigning. He's ruling. And no matter what happens, we know that we can stand in him. And that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted that growth and that his, he purposed for that growth in Matthew 28, um, Verse 19, it says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it's amazing that God's like, I'm, I ascended, I'm going to leave, but I'm still going to be with you. And, um, and I always think, I, there's so many times in my walk, I'm like, Lord, when are you going to come? It's getting bad. It's getting bad here on earth. And I just love reading in Second Peter 3, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And when I think about that, I'm like, wow, he loves everyone. And it's hard to imagine that sometimes when you look at some of the evil that goes on in this world. But the Bible likens the body of Christ to his bride. And when I think about that marriage relationship, what do you think about? You think about, oh, there's that intimacy. There's that knowledge and you're growing and knowing that person. And um, that's exactly what God intended. He wanted to have that intimate fellowship with us, but not just with us. He wants us to have that intimate fellowship with each other. And in Romans 12, 4, it's on this, um, under God's purpose, Romans 12, 4 through 5, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So it's just hope. It, when you think about we're all individuals, God loves us individually, but he loves us collectively. And that's what he desires. Um, and when the, when the early church first started, you always see that there was like this very mission sense. Like they all had this mission. We are going to spread the gospel no matter where we go. In Revelations 22, verse 17, it says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And who is the Spirit? That's God, the Father, Son, the triune God, and the Bride. That's us as Christians. We're saying, come. And who are we saying, come to? We're saying, come, to let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. So we're saying, come all, come one, come all, to God. And as as in our relationship and walk, and as our knowledge grows, what happens we desire the things of God. We're going to have a heart for the lost. We're going to have a heart for the broken and the hurting. We're going to have a heart for those who have wronged us. We're going to have a heart for those who have hurt us. And as you see that, like there's wounds involved in marriage and marriage is not easy, is it? And especially when you come together. So when as looking at looking at what the church is and what community is and what God intended, let's talk about what Christian community is not. So when I see the present day church, and I'm not talking about Calvary Vista or whatever churches are in the area, but like collectively, globally, worldwide, I see division. I see personal, cultural, social ideologies being taught. I see that truth is clouded. No one's wanting to step on anyone's toes. They want to be relevant. Sin, it's not dealt with. And there's all these rock star Worship leaders, celebrity pastors, Christian influencers wanting to make a name for themselves. And not that I want to bash this because I love the Chuck Smiths and Greg Laurie's and Skip Heitzig's and Alistair Beggs and the Lauren Deggles out there. I love those people. But I think as a church, sometimes we idolize these people. And that is what I sadly see in this present day church. But when you look at the first church, what do you see? There was this unity and that unity was in the Lord, in Jesus. He was the one who drove them together and kept them together. What were their I- ideologies? They were like heaven-focused, heaven-minded. They were like looking. It was like when you read them, they're like thinking that Jesus was going to come back any day. And they were just waiting for the day that he would come. And discipline, it happened frequently, right? I mean, today, like you sin, it's not dealt with, is it? Even in the church, I I don't think sin's dealt with the way it should be. And the truth, it was spoken. And this happened in a time when there was a lot of cultural and political wars. There was, like she talked about, Melanie talked about how sin was just at an all-time pagan society. It was like reigning supreme. And today, that's kind of what it is. But they were like, they didn't have attitudes. Oh, let's be relevant to bring in the numbers because it talks about how day by day they met and the church kept growing and growing. But what was happening? They were dying. They were being persecuted. They were being scattered. But 
they kept growing in numbers. And it was amazing just to see that. And even Paul, and you see it in the leadership, he was like, don't follow me, follow Christ in me. And um, in Philippians chapter two, it's on this one, on Christ glorified, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery, but to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what it's about. It's about Christ. And when you look at the church, like it's not a place like the whole Christian community, it's not a place to start a club and a gathering. It's not a place to find your identity, find, well, you find your identity, but it's not a place where you like build your ideals and beliefs. It's not a place where you shape yourself. And it's not, it's not even about being, feeling better about, it's about Jesus. And I'm going to kind of age myself here, but there's this band in the nineties called The Cry. And there's a song that they wrote called Down at the Cross. And these words just kind of sum up what it is. But it says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. For all men are equal down at the cross. It says, Down at the cross, come and leave your pride. Lay everything at his feet. For all of us, he was willing to die, even when we were weak, when we were still without strength, when we were set in our ways. When we were filled with hatred for him, still he was willing to die for you and I down at the cross. So when we see the church community, it's not about us and what we can do or even bring or what even we want it to be, but it's about Christ. And in looking at community, how hard it is. We see that it's a hard community to be in, but it's a holy community to be in. And when we were talking about the picture of us being the bride of Christ, we see that marriage is a hard, risky thing, risky love that we come into. In Proverbs 27, it's right here on on Christ's community. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So when we come together and we're sharp, can you imagine hearing that the sparks are flying when you're getting sharpened by other believers? It's a hard thing. Sparks fly. There's tension. That's why in Colossians three thirteen it says to bear with each other and forgive one another because people hurt us and we hurt people. And it's just the fact of, I mean, family. People hurt each other. You hurt the people you most love. And when I, I was thinking about different personal, personalities and for the sake of like trying to describe which these two terms are not in the Bible, but the introvert and the extrovert. And what's the introvert? The introvert someone who likes to be, be alone, be by themselves, and they kind of process things longer and think about their answers and decisions. And then they are, they're also very reserved. But then you get the extrovert who is very outgoing, enthusiastic. They're quick to make decisions. They are just full of life and they want to be with people. And so when you get those two types of people, sparks can fly, right? <laughs> it, it can. And I want to say I'm a mix of both. On um, times when I'm going through a hard trial, I'm more of an introvert. And I, I mean, most of my life growing up, I was an introvert. But as I like clung onto the body of Christ, I was like, oh, this is exciting. I want to be here all the time. Um, but when you see the extrovert, you're like, you think when more hands come together, what happens? that tension comes. And I remember a few years back, I was in charge of decorating the church for the the Christmas season. And so I was in charge. I had all these ideas and I had women come under me. And there was one particular lady who was basically almost like could be my mom. And every idea I had, she was like, oh, why don't we do it this way? And I was like, okay, 
I'm in charge, I'm in charge, but <laughs> let me go and like work with her. And so it was like a week or two of just tension with her, I thought. And I, was, I walked away going, I don't ever want to work with that woman again. <laughs> but then the next year, there was another event. I don't even remember what it was another event, but it was like a study or something. And it was like maybe three months long. And Denise had told me about it, wants me to be involved. I was like, okay, I'm good. And then she goes, this woman specifically asked to like be in your group in her home. I was like, but, and then Denise, like, but there's this other woman who also, and I was like, immediately told Denise, I want to work with her. And the Lord's like, no, you need to work with her. And so I called Denise back. I'm like, I, I, we had tension, but I feel like that's what God wants me to do. And so for three months, I'm working in her home with her and leading a group. And by the end of it, she had sent me an email and goes, Marissa, I loved working with you. I had, I was so blessed to be like, in fellowship with you and learning with you. And it was just amazing. Even though it was hard, the Lord did something because I was obedient and willing and saw her as a body of Christ that I'm going to be in heaven with her one day. And so with that, like the Lord worked through it. And for the person who's introverted and doesn't want to be, and I know for me, there was times in my life where I'm like, I don't feel like, I mean, I was like, the single girl here at Vista forever because most of my friends got married in their 18s, 20s. And here I'm at 30. I'm like, okay, Lord, did you forget? And it was so hard to be around my friends who were like already married, having kids. And I'm just twiddling my thumbs like, Lord, have you forgotten about me? And it was hard. And I, but I pressed on. I was like, okay, I need to like be in fellowship. I need to be in that. And even there's, I still struggle with that. I have friends who have, it seems like their lives are all perfect, picturesque. I'm seeing them buying their first homes. I'm still stuck in my two-bedroom apartment. I'm like, Lord, have you forgotten about me? And it's hard when I go to their house. I'm like, I have to put on that mindset. Okay, I'm going to be thankful that God blessed them. And just having that heart of like, they're my body. And I, I, why would I be jealous of them? It's so hard sometimes. And especially like with my past, like it's sometimes hard for me to, be in gatherings when I just want to go stay at home and be in my jammies. But when we see diversity and the mega church that God created, we see that the first church, when you look at it, when you think about everything that had transpired until that time, that was the first multi-ethnic, multicultural organization in the world, basically. And when you think about, I don't know if you've ever heard this term or heard someone say, oh, I don't like organized religion. Think about that. Think about if anyone can go into church and say and do whatever they wanted. It would be chaos. So we see that God creates diversity, but he also wants it to be in an organized fashion. And you look at that, the the first church, they had everything organized and they basically copied everything that Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, his life, he was not like a walking chaos. He was like fully immersed, but everything was so organized. He like, he knew cause he saw his father. And so this is an, in revelations, it's on your um, handout in Christ community. It's the Brown one. It says revelations 21. This is John speaking when he gets a vision of heaven and earth um, of the new heaven. And it says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea than I, John, saw a cabin in the woods, secluded. No, he didn't. He saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Imagine that. And when I think about city, I've been to New York a few times, and then you see like all those mass buildings, but then you think about what is heaven? That's what heaven is. He talks about we're going to be in many mansions in this small city and I'm complaining about my little apartment but like think about it New York is dirty and smelly and stinky and if you've ever been in the subway it smells like urine but heaven it says the streets are made out of gold the gates are made out of pearl and it talks about there's all these jewels and intricate like designs and I'm like thinking wow this is going to be amazing we're in a city that's why I'm, I'm basically a city girl um but that's what God intended, and he wants that uni- unity, because it didn't say that God made a bunch of little sub-cities all over 
in heaven. And no, it's one holy city. And so looking at First um, Peter 2, what does it say? It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvel- marvelous light. So when you look at people, when I look at people, I think that person's chosen, that person's royal, and that person's holy in the body of Christ. When I start to look at believers, like that, they're chosen, they're holy. And I, I like, even I remember in my younger days, I, I had this like air about me in the college group where I'm like, I am too good to hang around, hang around that crowd because there were kind of goofballs. But then I ended up marrying one of them. So <laughs> I changed my ways. <laughs> but it's amazing like how when your mindset is of like, not only am I wholly chosen and royal, like God looks at all of us, we're on the same page. There's no pastor in heaven or preacher or prophet who's going to get any more glory than, than God. It says when we come before him, what do we do? We take off our crowns and we're just throwing it at the feet of Jesus because we know that we're all equal down at the cross. And so for that community, how does that community happen? It happens through our friendships. And I cannot preface how important it is for friendships. And as God desires that relationship and fellowship with us, he desires that we have those same fellowship with people here on earth. It says where two or more are gathered, he's with us in the midst but God, he has some requirements for our friendships. He wants us to be like-minded with our friendships. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with, the, with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Right? It's, it's a stark difference when you are friends with someone who doesn't know the Lord. And... We need those friends who are going to give us wisdom that's from above and not worldly wisdom. And the next one is we need to have those friends who are going to refresh our soul. It says a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. They're going to be the friends who are going to walk with you in trials and are going to be there till the bitter end. And I, um, two days ago, my close friend Carrie had passed away from cancer, but up until that point, I had friends calling me like, Marissa, I know you're doing that workshop. I Can I pray? Friends from afar, friends from near, just coming. Even Sarah came up to me this morning. I needed that. I wanted to back out a week ago because I'm like, I cannot handle this. And a lot of things, memories were flying up. But I had those friends who could hold me and ground me and help me like, you can do this because you have the Lord. And then the next one is we need to have those friends who are going to speak the truth to us in love. In Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. And I cannot tell you how many times I have been rebuked. How many times I've had someone say, Marissa, what you said, that wasn't kind. What you posted, that wasn't funny. What you did, you need to go apologize to your husband and your kids. That attitude that you had, it's not of the Lord. And those were deep wounds that I was like, wow. And I submitted myself to those friendships. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I need to do to change? Change me, Lord. And because of that, I've grown. And so many times I've seen many people walk away from the Lord because they've been rebuked at the church. I remember there was a time in my marriage where my husband was rebuked. And I was like, are we going to be leaving the church now? But we are here and he's grown because we, he stayed and he took those rebukes. And when we don't take those rebukes, we see that, wow, I can, you can never grow if you don't take those rebukes. So those friendships who are going to speak the truth to you in love, you're going to grow as you humble yourself and submit to them. It's just to submit to one another in, in the Lord. And that's um, what happens when you do that. You grow. But when you look at the body of Christ, and as we talked about all the different personalities, you're just going to see that you're not going to get along with everyone. It's the fact there's some people I don't get along with and, and not so much that I don't like them. It's just like, we just don't connect and you're going to face broken relationships in the body of Christ. I've, I have many that I've had to face some of just left the faith, 
friendships are going to drift apart. Some friends are just going to be in your life for a season, and that's okay. In Acts, um, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement in ministry, and it says the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So they had the, the apostles, they fought with each other. But later in the epistles, as you see Paul's writings, he uplifts and talks kindly about Barnabas. So even though they had that contention, they still had that unity in Christ. And in closing, the last thing that we're going to talk about is the dangers of not having community and standing alone. And in Hebrews 10, 24, this is a command that God gives us. And it says, and let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So that's a command that God gives us. And we see that the Christian walk is compared to a battle. And you should go listen to the one on spiritual warfare and um, that Angela's um, doing on spiritual warfare. But it talks about that. So as Christians, we all know, okay, we need to prepare for battle. We go to church. We go to conferences like this. We listen to Bible studies on the radio. We listen to worship music. We're in our word. But is that enough? It is said that isolation is a medium that the enemy works in. In 1 Peter, it talks about him. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So in 2016, the CDC did a study on how fast it would take from, for a virus to travel across the entire world, and not just around, but like to every part of the world, how fast, let's take some guesses, how far or how long do you think it takes for the coronavirus to travel around the world? Any guesses? Nobody? A few days. days. It says it takes 36 hours for a single virus in a remote village to travel to every major city of the world. Think about that, how fast like a sickness can travel that fast, but think about those fiery darts that fly. And where do they fly to? Because you got your armor on. You're listening to praise worship. Praise and worship. You're list, you're, you leave church. It comes in through the things that we see and the things that we hear. It just takes a few seconds for you to grab your phone and click on something. And what floods in? I'm on Pinterest and things flood in that I'm not even searching for. The world is out to get you. Those fiery darts... The enemy has studied us for centuries, and he knows exactly what's going to get us down. He knows what's going to take us out and cause us to sin and be separated from God, and that's his goal. And that's why it's important to have that constant fellowship with the body, because we have our phones, right? We can text, we can call, we can FaceTime, we can message, we can even... Meeting in person is probably the best, (laughs) but if you can't, you call, right? So when I was... um, my first daughter was born and I had gone back to work and I remember, um, I grew up in, or I, I had a career in engineering. So I kind of like knew people in the industry. And so I go back to work and the next day I go back, I meet, I see this guy who I knew from the past. And in the past we had that little flirtatious thing going on. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> I called my friend, like maybe during my break and I said, hey friend, you need to call me. You need to check up on me because even though I might not do something, I don't even want to fantasize about this. And I called her and when I, the moment I did that, that fiery dart was put out just like that. I never, it never even crossed my path again because I shot that fiery dart with community. Even though I had the word, I knew what God's word had told me. I needed that friend and she kept calling me anyways, but it's those things that we, like those things that we don't, that will catch us off guard. And being, I remember when my last son was born, I was in the time, obviously, like postpartum kicks in. And I had, it was hard for me to leave because my child wanted to eat every half hour and nursing. And it was just, I had three in diapers. Imagine that. It was horrible. I couldn't like get my, my third child who was like going on four to get potty trained. So it was like, she was still in diapers. So I was just like stuck at home and I was like, I can't do this. It's hard to get to, I go to church on Sunday, but I needed that fellowship. And I had a friend who lived down the street and I was like, hey, let's just meet up twice a week or something. So we met up 
at the park nearby, but we need those friendships. And you, I am telling you, so much damage can happen when you're not in that community. There's three people I want to look at in the Bible, and we see Eve. Melanie kind of talked about her, where she was away from her husband, away from community with God and fellowship. And what happened? It was that single lie that got her. It tantalized her ears and her desire, and she sinned. We look at Samson. He was a prophet. He was doing ministry for the Lord, but he had no accountability. He was just doing everything that he wanted to do, and he was sinning quite often that we see. And then we see King David, the, the, the man after God's own heart. What did he do? He committed adultery and had Bathsheba's husband killed. Why? Where was he supposed to be? It says that he was supposed to be in community with the rest of the Israelites in battle, but he wasn't. And because of that, he sinned. And there's a when you look at Jesus, what, when he sent his disciples, how did he send them out? He sent them out by two because he knew there needed to be that accountability and community and fellowship. And in closing, I just want to talk about, Melanie kind of talked about how we need to have that time away with the Lord and there's a misconception that many believers, even I had faced early in my walk, um, about taking time away with God. And that is so important and so key. And when you look at Jesus's life on earth, it always said he was taking time away with his father early in the morning. He even fasted for 40 days. So he had this constant community with his father. But what did he do after? He was in ministry. He was surrounded by his disciples. He was with people. So he went away, took time away with God, and he was with people. And I think too many Christians, they take time away with God where it becomes days, and then those weeks go by, and then those months go by, and then years go by, and then pretty soon you have your own doctrine. You have your own gospel, basically, that you make up. And I've seen so many Christians do it, and it is a dangerous place to be because pretty soon they're listening to the things of the world and combining it with God because they're taking time away with God. And um, But we see Jesus, his example. It wasn't just taking time away. He was constantly in this momentarily, and especially as a new mother, sometimes you're as a single girl, I was like, oh, I have all the time in the world. I was always like journaling. Now it's like I get out of bed, roll onto my knees, and my kid's like climbing on my head. I'm like, Lord, give me patience today. I need you. And then having that constant community with God throughout the day, I need that. But when we, two instances that I, I want you guys to like pay attention to is when Jesus went away with his, to be with the Father, and it happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. What happened? He took Peter, James, and John. He took his community to come with him to fellowship with God. And then when you see Jesus about to be crucified, what did he do? He goes to the garden. He goes to the side. He said, hey, come with me. Stay, stay up and pray with me. And he's off to himself, fellowship, but he's inviting. So when we come into the community of God, we're like, I have this on my heart, friend. I'm going through this. Pray with me. Please pray for me. And that's what community is. We're not every man to himself. That's not what God intended. He wants us to have that. And my heart is just to see that community grow. And in my life of um, being involved in church and in ministry, I've seen so many people fall away because, and the first thing that you see is what happens. They stop going to church. They stop calling. They stop being around. They don't answer your phone calls when you call. And they drop off, off and they're in the world now. I have so many friends who've done that. And even... Um, as a youth counselor, I've seen so many girls who are so, so strong in their walk and they go off into college and now they're women of the world. And it's so sad to see. But when I, there's this one particular girl I think about, her name's Nicole Fredenberg. Some of you might know her, but I remember her, she had graduated and she had a strong walk with the Lord. And what happened is she moved somewhere by La Jolla and got a job and met her future husband and she would call me constantly like and meet up with me and like talk about her future husband and this is while they were dating like talking to me and I saw that she was in felt even though she wasn't coming here she was she found a fellowship down there was constantly in fellowship and then she marries him and he goes into the military and she goes all over the place and guess what she's in com- she wherever she was she was in community and because of it she's flourishing 
And it's amazing to see that when you're in community, you flourish. And that's what the it talks about in the Bible, how we're given gifts. And God wants us to stir up those gifts. And from that, we're going to grow. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to have a time of question and answers. But Lord, I just thank you so much that we have this huge body of Christ, a huge body of believers that we can go to and turn to. I pray, God, that you would just build those friendships that we have and bring more friendships, Lord, so that we can be more connected to each other. And I just thank you for this time. It's your name I pray. Amen. So question and answer. There's a few questions I put on here that I was like thinking of when I was thinking about community. But if you have any other, please don't be shy. Just ask away and we can talk about this together. Anybody? I'm sorry. Well, are we supposed to ask questions? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So if you have any questions or any questions that you see, anybody. Well, I mean, I just kind of, I relate to you in like, um, kind of being the introvert, but extrovert at the same time, like having a hard time pushing into fellowship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been a challenge for me sometimes. So I don't know how to be in community as an introvert. Well, it's kind of. I grew up, like you had said, like in your past, like you had been, like, I was the one that would hide under the bed and go hide on the roof because I didn't want to be around anybody. Or I would, yeah. like, hide at the top of the closet and just read a book. And, you know, I was I was the one that was like, forget the world, I don't want you guys. Like, yeah. I don't need any of you. Like that. <laughs> and um, um, I think it was just rooted in pain. Yeah. But... God just showed me that as I've pressed into Him, He's and He's been there for me. He's given me a heart to love His people. So um, now I actually like being around yeah. the people of God. It isn't always easy though, because yeah. sometimes I revert back to the mindset, like, "Oh my gosh, like, are these people going to hurt me? Like, those other people hurt me, you know, like that." So yeah. it's just like you said, just shooting those arrows down when they come. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe someone here has advice for me on how to do that. Yeah. When, when, it, when it comes back, I was like, oh, shoot, yeah. that When I was like thinking about community and people who don't want to be around people, I was thinking about Moses. And if you've studied the life of Moses, there was a time like God basically comes, appears to him in the burning bush and says, you need to go to Egypt and tell them to let, tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And Mo, what did Moses do? He argued. He goes, God, I'm a man of like stumbling words. I I'm not eloquent in my speech. And God's like, no, you need to go. It's important that you go. And then it also talks about how when the Israelites had a quarrel, the, they came up to him and they were like, so what are you going to do? Send your brother Aaron to speak for us like you always do kind of attitude. So we see that Moses was a, kind of like a shy, timid man and he wasn't a great speaker, but he was obedient and he just went. And I think about how even as we just like God I'm coming to this event. I don't know too many people. Or I, I'm going to go to this Bible study. But as you see, as you continue to be in fellowship, you'll see that those friendships are going to grow naturally because anybody who loves the Lord is going to love his people. And that includes those who are feeling are introverted, not really social. Like People are going to reach out to those people. And you'll see that. And I saw that in my own walk because I would sit in the college group in the back with my sister, of course, because I'm like, I couldn't go anywhere with that because we were both shy. So we just sat together. But as we were involved, it like became like this constant fellowship of like, wow, there's so many people in who love me because, and we have this unity in Christ. And so in community, God just breaks down all those walls. You'll see that. Do you have a question? One, one um, way for an introvert to... Um put themselves out there into the community is volunteer and service. Yes. Um, like, you know, I volunteer in Awana, and so now it needs to be connected to, and, and there's, and, you know, the adults are there too, getting annoyed to, but, you know, you're serving with the kids, doing a purpose, yeah. but also the, the people you, the staff you're working with under, you become connected with that, and so there's, a, that's an easy way to get connected. Yeah. You know, I, have, I have a different teenagers, and that was one thing I always, you know, well, go serve. Yeah. Go volunteer. And then they feel valued, but then people have to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have to talk back. Yeah. And so it's a way to get connected. And as you're constantly there, then you're, 
you're seen as someone reliable, yeah, not trustworthy, and as a, so that's valuable to be a friend. And then yeah. um, the friendships happen. Yeah, one of my favorite friendships. If you've seen Terry Abramovic and Le- Le- Leslie Fiada, those two. Oh my goodness, I saw when their friendship grew. When, when did it happen? They volunteered to decorate for the church. And I saw them like meet up and they loved to do the same things that they loved. And they had been going to Vista for a while, but they didn't have that connection. But their friendship grew out of just volunteering to decorate the church. And it was it's just a beautiful, when you see them, they're just so sweet. I love them. I love seeing how their relationship just blossomed because they wanted to decorate together and they they kind of had the same interest. It was amazing. So as you're involved and you just go into the body, like how, not so much what can I get out of it, but how can I serve the Lord? How can I be part of the body when you have that attitude coming in? So. Another way is working with kids. Yes, that's the amazing way. <laughs> Sorry, children's ministry. It is. <laughs> but it is so important. It is. You can totally not even know what to say, but a kid doesn't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they just want to be loved. So yeah. working with kids is always good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Any other questions before we wrap it? I get, like I used to be like really extroverted, I guess, like really loud and like always wanting to be with people all the time. Um, but like last year I totally walked away and then was like by myself a lot. Mm. And I feel like and then I was um, I had a hip injury, and so I had to quit my job, too. And so I was, like, by myself all the time. And I feel, like, socially awkward mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, coming back into being, like, at church. Because I feel like I feel like I don't know how to relate to some people my age because of, like, what I went through. Yeah. So I don't know how to, like, sorry, I'm not trying to cry. No, but, no, you know, no. It's, like, hard to, like, relate to people sometimes and not feel, like, I wouldn't want to come sometimes because I'm like, oh, I feel awkward and like out of the like friend group now because I like walked away for so long. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I I definitely can relate. I mean, when I started building my friendships, um, a lot of my friends had amazing families. They came from like pastors and amazing worship leaders. And I was like looking at them like, wow, their life's amazing. They have amazing parents, amazing family. Why can't I have that? And I never felt like it fit in. But as I just humbled myself, I'm like, Lord, how do you want me to be used? And if you saw me like in my 20s, I was like involved in like literally everything. I was like in the sound room. I was in the children's ministry. I was working like in the, well, they didn't have a coffee house, but it was like their little food thing. I was in hospitality. I like did everything um, besides the parking ministry and worship. But (laughs) as I like saw that, and like there's another question on gifts, um, and early in my walk, I'm like, what are my gifts? Because most of my friends were like super musical. And I'm like, oh, wow, they are gifted. They're, they have this calling. But I was like, I don't have any gifts because I can't actually see it. But as my walk with the Lord and my volunteering, I'm like, oh, wow, I love doing this. And then I would have people saying, you are gifted in this. This is, you should continue on doing this because this is, I see that God's anointed you in this area. And so as you're in community, you're going to grow because people are going to, when you're in the body and in the midst of like friendships, they're going to see like, wow, you're strong in that. And they're going to encourage you in those things and they're going to build you up. And so as you're just coming in and, and sometimes it's so hard, I know your situation, but as you just continue to plug in, meet friendships and you'll see that the body is like endless. I have friendships and that's another thing I didn't really talk about, but your friendships. I have women who are older than me. I have women who are just my age and my friendships, and then I have people who are under me, who are younger in the faith, and I have this revolving like friendship circle, and that's important to have. And also, no, please, no, like this is very important. No, like you need to have the same sex friendships besides your husband. You you should not be buddy buddies with males. Those should not be your friendships. But when you have like that community, those people, like the older women, I've been so rebuked by Ros and Posey so many times. <laughs> And she, because of love, like that friendship has built up throughout the years. And then my other friendships, like you're going to have, they're going to see your giftings, your callings, they're going to encourage you and they're going to bring life out of you. And that's like, I would not be standing here today if I did not continue to come on my own to be involved and to 
to seek the Lord together with my the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, can I share something? Yeah. Too? Um, I relate to you. What was your name? Maddie. Maddie. Because when I was growing up, I always felt like the outcast. Mm-hmm. I got made fun of a lot by my family, by extended family, by friends. Why I felt rejected by everybody. I felt mm-hmm. like I didn't fit in. But I think sometimes it's because you were meant to stand out. You know, and and like for me, um, there was a season in my life that I didn't want to hang out with people my age because I didn't feel like I fit in. You know, like they're like wanting to party and drink and do all these things. And I'm like, eh, I don't want that. Like, I, I want to go to church or I want to go do this, you know. And a lot of my friends were older women, like in their 60s and probably older. They could have been my grandma, you know, no insult. Older women, but but I love them. I love them. I'm just saying. Sometimes, like you might not find the friends your age group, yeah. but I gleaned so much from them. Like I felt welcome there. I felt like I belonged. I mean, some people that met me, they'd be like, "Wow, you're like an old lady in a in a person's younger person's body," you know. And I even started dressing like them, kind of too. So. <laughs> <laughs> you look like your friends. Um, I love them and I learned so much yeah. from them. So even if you don't feel like you fit in sometimes to your age group, which I still kind of don't feel like I do sometimes, but I love the people older than me, my age and younger. Even yeah. the little kids sometimes are my friends. Yeah. You know, and I love it. Yeah. I think secretly we all feel like we don't fit in. Yeah. yeah. Like I think we're all here because we're craving community. I mean, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I'm here because I'm craving it and not sure how to cultivate it and feeling like there's a lot of barriers in my life and in my family situation that make it difficult to... But everybody has those things. Yeah. And so just to speak to that, like everybody... Uh, people feel it more um, intensely than others, I think, like with your situation that you described or with yours. But I think, like, secretly we all crave to belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I just think it's so powerful to remember that, that we belong in the body. Yeah. There's a place for every person and that it's not complete without us. Yeah. And so when you look at scriptures and what we were talking about, you see that, wow, totally opposite of like where you don't feel like you belong. That's like, those are like darts of the enemy when right. you feel like I don't belong here. I don't fit in. I, I can't relate. The enemy wants you to keep cultivating those thoughts of I don't belong. I don't relate. I don't, they don't, they won't get me. You like would not believe I, so I've led this one group that they, they meet, it's called Healed and Set Free and it's about abuse, people who've been through abuse. And I had another friend who was like, oh, it's because in the Asian culture, it's a very like prevalent um, abuse and like, like I was abused by my father. Um, but she, we were, we were talking and she's like, oh, it's, pro- was it just a bunch of Asian women? I'm like, no, it was like all walks, all cultures, all race don't like. The enemy is not going to, oh, we're just going to marginalize like you Asians or you Mexicans or Hispanic. No, the enemy is going to destroy every single person. So when we see that we're all equal, the enemy is not going to like shoot arrows at one person, one type of person over. No, he's shooting it everywhere, especially when you have the mark of Christ on you. He's like, okay, let's get that person. Or when, even if you're born in this world, it's like, abortion is a huge thing right now. Like the enemy knows how valuable a person is in the body of Christ. And there's so much value in each and every one of us. You are like, I was t- like, someone had asked me a while ago about, um, cause they didn't grow up in the church and they had, they were maybe like in their forties and they had just come to the Lord like a few years ago. And she was like really puzzled she's like I don't know everything you know I don't I didn't grow up in the church I don't know what the bible like I, I know the truth but like how was it gonna like all add up I was like look when you look at the story the parable of the vine dresser where he he hired people in the morning he hired people in the afternoon and people in the evening and they all got the same pay I'm like we're not I'm not going to get a better crown in heaven with more jewels because I gave my heart to the Lord at five and I was walking strong until the end. No. Who do you see at the very, at, when Jesus died on the cross, who came into heaven that day? 
the man who was right next to him, who had committed sin, who deserved to be punished and put to death, he came into heaven. And that's the community. Can you imagine like your worst enemy being right next to you at the foot of the cross? That's what community is. It's, it's hard to like imagine that, especially when you've been wronged and hurt. It's so hard to imagine that, but that's what God intended. And that's why he came, because he wanted to heal this broken, fallen world. So we have like five minutes. Anybody else before we break out into lunch? Sarah? Um, so I struggle like with um, like when I talk to other people um, because like my life is so just like about like my kids, like not talking about my kids only. You know, yeah. like I don't like every time people ask me how I'm doing, it's always like, well, you know, like homeschool and baseball, like, you know, <laughs> and I don't feel like my friends always like want to hear about that. And, um, like I want, and then I, I like struggle with like my time with the Lord too, because I have toddlers who, you know, literally will wake up at whatever time I wake up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. And, and in the evenings, like I have like my teenagers who are up late and like, you know, need help with homework or you know want to ask permission to do something or so it's like I just I have like you know just like it's just hard and I don't I feel like I don't know how to communicate with my friends like in like a fun way anymore (laughs) yeah I I I really do get that but I was thinking about you the other day and I told you about how God's God's given us the things that we have in this life, even our kids. If you have kids, he's given that to you for a reason. And though you might feel like you're kind of just overshadowed because that's all you have on your plate. That's what God's giving you. And when you bring that into the body of Christ, you're bringing like community. You're bringing six boys into this community of Christ. And that's an important thing. Like I was talking to somebody about like, cause we've been talking about moving to a different state cause we can't afford it here. And the more and more I look at the body of Christ, I'm like, man, cause I have four kids and I'm like, man, I want like my kids to marry like your boys, someone who I know, like, and so it's like when you're like in that community, like you want to get to know everything about, even about baseball. Like I, like you'll see that as you just continue to be, don't try to be something you're not. Cause right now you are a mom of six boys and you're a baseball mom. And that's all, so God made that in you. And like for me, it's like I'm a mom before I homeschool and I'm a dance mom. And I talk about dance all the time. And that's who I am. Like I can't change myself to shift to, because how we talk, like there's that diversity and God intended for that beauty of like different people. Like, I mean, look at around, like we all look different. We all have different faces, features that God made and he's, 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 he glories in it when we were like, this is who I am. This is who God made me. And as you just express that, even in your friendships and talking about your boys who are going to baseball and how much you have baseball, like it, the, the Lord's going to glory in that and your friendships are going to grow. And, and those are lies of, the, of Satan saying, you have nothing to bring to your friendships because all you talk about is baseball and your boys. But that's your world, and that's what God made it. So it's special. <laughs> My special season, sorry. Yeah. It's a special season. I mean, yeah. I'm going on the outside of it where my kids are now getting married and mm. have adults. And so it's just a season Yeah. that you're there. Yeah. You're in, you're, you know, yeah. young kids, dance, baseball. It's a season, and it's a short season. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us are in that season. And yeah. I feel like that's why, like, I love hosting, right? So, like, other moms, like, I know we just recently kind of connected, but, like, planning a play date, because it's like, oh, my kids get to play, yeah. play, but then I get my friends to yeah. over, too, and, you know, so, like, finding friends like that, because we're all on the same, like, stage, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I actually want to encourage you, Sarah. So, <laughs> I, myself, being a first-time mommy to a three-year-old who I found out was autistic a year and a mm-hmm. half ago, all I talked about was autism, autism, autistic, this, this, and that. And I realized, oh my gosh, my friends that I had really could not relate to my life. Yeah. And really, it was the Lord leading me out of those friends to then be 
be able to step out and start looking for friends that really not just understand exactly what I'm going through, but that I can lean into and then they can lean back. And I can tell you that you are very encouraging mm -hmm. your life and what you and Kelly do and your sacrifices for those boys. It's amazing. And so Brandon and I feel blessed to know you guys and your story and your ability to be that rock star mom. That makes mm -hmm. amazing sourdough bread, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I could really do that ever. Um, but I just want to encourage you that and, and the time that you feel like you may not relate to those people, really, it's because the Lord may be leading you out of those friendships yeah. to find other ones because I'm in that same season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also too, I think it's important to remember like what you said, Marissa, that, that those thoughts a lot of times are lies from the enemy because you have to remember, especially with trusted friendships that you have, like they love you for yeah. you and for who you are and like they love your kids and they they even if it seems repetitive to you, like they are interested in everything that goes on with you because yeah. they love you. You know? Like I have a friend that's we've been very, very close since we were small girls. She talks about the same stuff all the time, but it's like, I just remember, like, you know what? Like, this is what's going on in her world, so, yeah. like, I want to know about it, even if I'm just, like, giving her the same advice or, yeah. like, it's the same conversation. Like, it's it's relevant to her heart, and it's how she feels, so I think yeah. it's just remembering that, like, your friends love you, and, like, they want to yeah. hear, and they are praying for you, too, Yeah, you know? That's so true, and I was thinking about, like, when you're, if you've ever had a baby, like when you're pregnant, that's all you're talking, that's like your whole world. Everybody wants to know, so like, what, did you pick out any names? Like, what are the colors? Like, what, what do you, like, what do you want for your child? Like, you're always constantly taught, and your friends want to talk because it's an exciting event. Or if you had any other, like, like it's, your friends want to know you, and they want to, like, see your personality, and they want to, like, know what you like and and it was neat like I was thinking about my friend Carrie who had passed away like I was like looking back at her life I'm like wow I know like I know her favorite color like she like we were like polar like she was very athletic she was very musical I was not any of those things I remember like we, we went to high school together and I was a girl who was like I would sign up for ballet and baton because I did not want to be out there in the heat and when I got pushed into there I was a girl who would just like follow where everyone else, else was going so I can look like I'm doing something and then when they would toss the ball to me I'm like don't give me the ball like but she was like there she was slam dunking it and like she was so into it but I was like none of those things but I know like her favorite color I know so many personal details about her life that don't even relate to me, things I, I could even like really care less about, but I know her so intricately and that's what the Lord wants for it. He wants us to know our friendships deep and know like, like I have friends who, who like know, wow, Marissa, you're doing that. Like, and they'll call me and like encourage me. And, and times when I'm look like I'm making the wrong, they'll call me out like, are you sure this is what the Lord wants for you? Because this like seems so out of, and I've had so many friends who have been able to speak into my life and give me direction and guidance and even, even wisdom on the decisions I needed to make. So it's so important, even though you feel like when you have that, I thought like, I don't fit in, I don't belong here. No, that's when you will fall. The enemy wants you to like, have that mentality. Like, I can't go to church today. I, I don't feel good. I don't, I just, and I, the Lord wants you to be, and there's a reason for that connection. Can I share? Yeah. I didn't want to come today, mm. honestly. Well, I'm glad you came. <laughs> I didn't want to come today, but it's funny because her and I were talking, I think you had six boys, was it six? And I have four kids, all six and under. Mm. Three of them are in diapers. Three, two, and one. Yes, that was and, me. <laughs> and, um, but as you were talking, I was just thinking how for the past two days, I was like, I went to the Bible study and I was like, I just need prayer for sanity, you know? And, and <clears throat> you know, the Bible says what's the first greatest commandment? Love the Lord, right? Second is to love others as yourself. Mm -hmm. So I realized, okay, I'm really drained right now. So I went the other day and I went and got my nails done, which is not a normal thing for me. <laughs> and um, so I think sometimes maybe like when we're feeling like overly emotional, overly whatever, like we feel like we're about to snap and like, you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> I can't take it anymore. You know, it's like maybe stepping back and loving yourself. Having that, like, loving yourself. Seeing what do I want to do? 
oh yeah, I forgot, I have four kids, what do I even like now? <laughs> you know, and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh wait, I would really like to go to the beach rather than changing all these kids' diapers right now. You know? yeah. Like that, you know, thinking something, what is something that I can do to love me? Because that's really hard, is loving yourself sometimes. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there are, da- I, I want to say there are dangers in going too far on that extreme right. of loving yourself. But it's more of finding your identity in Christ. Like, wow, God values me this much. I need. I, I'm burnt out. I need to call a friend. And like for me, like I tell my husband, I need to. I need to go to the grocery store by myself. You need to watch the kids, or I'll call a friend on times when my husband can't watch the kids and say, Hey, can you like just watch him for a, a, an hour or two? I just need to go. Like, you're going to have those friendships who will do that and who will drop everything for you. And that's what community is. Like, they all see that you're burnt out and they're going to run. Like, those, if you come to the mom's group, seriously, come to the mom's group and you're going to see that there's a bunch of women just like you. We all have our days of where we need the sanity. Because, like, especially, like, what happened in 20, everyone was insane, basically. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, all, you're not alone. The enemy wants you to think and believe that you're the only person who's ever gone through any of that. But you're not. You really aren't. So I think that's all. So thank you for coming. Get in, get into community. Find those friends who are going to reach out. <laughs>